Good morning, Mike Broomhead. Good morning, Jamie. It's uh, it's uh, a good day. So, uh, mom, safe and sound. Uh, thanks for everybody's uh, well, well wishes that her to be say that my mother's flying in. My mom is safe and sound here in town. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit more about Hurricane Ian tomorrow on the show at 835. Lee County is where Fort Myers, Florida is. It encompasses a pretty big area. And the Lee County Sheriff, his name is Carmine Marcino. Uh, Sheriff Marcino will join the show tomorrow to discuss uh, what's happened in southwest Florida, the recovery efforts, what's happening there now, uh, how people are doing. Uh, Looting, as we know, heard a story about that. Uh, It was pretty interesting. And uh, so we're going to talk with the sheriff and get an update from Boots on the Ground. The president of the United States visits today and will be in the area along with the governor. So obviously we're not going to talk to the sheriff today, but we will tomorrow morning. Uh, Start this morning with the gas prices. The economy We've been lumping things together because that's the way things have been. It's been gas prices and inflation. I broke the two out a little bit. Gas prices around the valley now above $5 per gallon on average in the state. The state average is four fifty one a gallon. And the national average is $3.83 per gallon as prices continue to climb. OPEC makes big oil cut to boost prices and pump costs may rise. No, they will rise. Um, this is a part of my well, – I talk about this way too much. I know I do. It's policy, policy, policy. And I've had people question me, specifically, what would you do? What would you do to make things different? Well, here's two things that are happening now. OPEC is controlling our economy this way. This is a national security issue. I understand the president's position, although I don't agree with it. I know many of you do, and many people do, about man-made climate change. It used to be global warming. I'm not going to go down the road of it, but they haven't been right yet. They have not been right with their predictions. Every prediction Al Gore made, I don't think any of his predictions in an inconvenient truth have come true. Uh, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be better and more sustainable. All of that's true. To, I believe in all of that stuff. I think we should be better stewards of the planet when we can. If there's a new, better way of doing things, we should always do it. Shouldn't be a political movement. This is a political movement. And let me explain what I mean by that. Being energy independent. While the world is still tied to fossil fuels is national security, period. You now have nations that hate us. The Russians met with the OPEC nations and they got together and there is this huge cut to oil uh, to oil production. So prices are going to go up. And there's not much we can do about it. We are nowhere near maximum production where we were before. We've done nothing to incentivize the oil companies. As a matter of fact, we've done exactly the opposite. I'm going to read a couple of headlines to you. Americans should prepare for gas prices to keep rising, according to analysts. This is the one that gets me. Top oil industry group hammers the Biden administration's plan to ban or limit fuel exports. So now they're banning exports. They are continuing to hammer this industry. And the industry is pushing back and saying to the American people, your prices are going to continue to go up. So this is the trade-off for the American people in the short term. This is what we have to deal with. This is our reality, which is unless we want to see gas prices, again, over 5 bucks a gallon in the Phoenix area, unless we want to continue to see this happen, we have got to have new policies. And that's just the way it is. So um, I want you to hear this is this is beforehand. This is um, from ABC. What happens if OPEC cuts production? 
If OPEC cuts oil output, it would squeeze supply in an oil market that energy company executives and analysts say is already tight due to healthy demand, a lack of investment, and supply problems. Oil's been pricing between around $86 and $91 a barrel. The Dow is down 325 points this morning, and I imagine we're going to start hearing from the experts that part of that is going to be connected to uh, what we've seen. And what I mean by that is connected to this, connected to the OPEC's cutting of production. So along with us not uh, uh, we're not releasing more from the oil reserves, I want you to hear Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, we're not releasing more oil. We're not considering uh, new releases, releases from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. So they're not they're not going to release more oil, which I don't think they should. But they're stopping that. That was a million barrels of oil right a day. Is that what it was? I believe 180 million barrels over six months. And now you're going to have a dramatic reduction from the OPEC nations, which means the prices of oil and petroleum products are going to climb. Coal prices going through the roof, natural gas going through the roof. So it's not just fueling your vehicle. It's it's heating your homes this winter. And when I talk about policies, I understand when I come on the air and I want to be as honest as I can. And I'm always down for a debate and a conversation. But I'm going to come to you honestly with where I stand. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And that's happened to me so many times in my life. I'm very comfortable telling people that I'm wrong. And when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I come at this from a position of a conservative, a fiscally conservative point of view, definitely. And I look at the strength in our national security when we are energy independent. Do I disagree with the president in some of the ways he wants to expedite us getting into other alternatives? Yes, I do. I think there, there's no way, there is no way humanly possible that they are going to get to the goals they want to. No matter, even if as expensive as they want to make it, no way we get to those goals. There is no way the electrical infrastructure in this country, no way are those uh, goals going to be met. I'm going to add something else into this, and it's a, this is a smaller item, but it's something to consider. What happens to the people in Fort Myers, Florida and southwest Florida that have electric vehicles and no power for over a week? Now, there have been long gas lines. We know that that's true. Fuel has been harder to come by. But if you got a, if you have a, an electric vehicle, you're stuck. You're done. We've got to figure out a way to overcome that. How is that going to happen? I don't know the answer, but they'll find answers eventually. Updating the electrical grid across this country to handle the amount they're going to need is is almost impossible in the time frame they're talking about. And in addition to that, what we've done in the meantime, while we're making these changes, what we have done is go after the oil and gas industry. So now you've got Russia who is threatening nuclear war. You've got the North Koreans firing off ballistic missiles. But what all of this is kind of where this is all getting lost is what they can do. These nations that know they cannot compete with us militarily. Putin can talk about nuclear weapons. It would be a suicide mission if they did that, and it would be mass destruction around the world. But if they really want to damage the U.S., they do it a couple of different ways. One of them is cyber attacks because they've leveled the playing field when it comes to cyber warfare. But the other is how they can control the economy of the world in big pieces with oil prices. You drive – they're watching America and inflation killing the average American. They're watching us raise interest rates to slow down the economy. The jobs are getting slower. We're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. And now they decide to sit down and say, you know what? A barrel of oil has been around 80 bucks a barrel or whatever it is. We want to jack the price, so we're going to slow down production of oil so the price of a barrel of oil goes up. 
And we can't do anything about it. And for those of you out there that think it's just, you know, we're hammering on on one person and on Biden, you have to acknowledge a couple of things to be true. During the Trump administration, and I've had my disagreements. You've heard me. I voted for the guy twice. Voted for Trump twice. I'm not a sycophant. I'm not a follower. I voted for the guy twice because I thought he was a better option for the country. That's it. That's why. And his policies prove that to be true. During the four years of the Trump administration, gasoline was under $3 per gallon the entire time. Why? Because they turned loose the natural gas, the oil industry in this country. They made sure that those petroleum companies could do what they needed to do to be energy independent. It is a national security issue, and now we're seeing why. If we were doing and able to do what we were doing before without these regulations, without these leases being taken away, with all all these other things happening, if we were able to do that again, then we could tell OPEC, you can you can drop your production all you want. We're going to increase ours. We can be energy independent. We don't need you. Or at least we don't need you nearly as much as we do right now. And that's where the problem lies. And so maybe you don't think it's a problem. Maybe you think this is what we need to do. These are the growing pains to get the world to where it needs to go. But unless you agree with that principle, we are in big trouble. And we are going to see gas prices. Now we've got inflation. We have interest rates going up. Now we've got gas prices climbing again into the winter months when it's going to be very expensive. So it is going to be a really, really tough time for people. Um, So you got to keep that in mind. Coming up in a few minutes, what we're going to do is we are going to make sure that you know more about the economy, specifically prices and inflation, not gas. I separated them out. That's coming up here in just a couple of moments. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Lord, it's the same old tune, fiddle and guitar. Where do we take it from here? Rhinestone suit. Said it before, I'll say it again. God bless Waylon Jennings. Um, let's talk about the economy. Starting with the good news, Tempe ranks number two on money's list of 50 best places to live. When you look at some of the cities around Arizona that have been getting recognition lately, Scottsdale, one of the best places in the country to retire. Cities in the East Valley, Chandler, Mesa, all of them making these lists as quality of life is a big issue in Florida <clears throat> or in Arizona. And it's improved so much over the over the last decade. And uh, it's a pretty amazing place to live. I've always loved Arizona, but I just am so proud of the way the state has progressed and uh, the quality of life has increased for so many. We've got a lot of work to do um, as far as it goes for everyone, but I think that we are seeing a quality of life increase, especially with the jobs that are coming. I just like the direction we're heading. So this story says this winning combination that includes diversity, affordability, and job opportunities landed Tempe number two, only behind Atlanta on money's top 50 list of places to live. It was the only Arizona city that was in there. Uh, so it's an interesting you know, study, and it, it is what it is. It looks good on a plaque on the wall. But overall, how are we, how are we doing? And uh, I was just railing a few minutes ago in the last segment of the show about policy and, and the policies on energy that I believe are detrimental 
to price reduction. And there are many people that find it necessary. I don't find it necessary. That's the issue for me is I don't find it necessary. I find it the opposite. I think what we're doing is we're hurting the financial future of the country uh, at, the, at, at the wrong time. I, I, there are so many other things that are going on. You have to adjust. Every one of us can say we had valuable plans. We have valuable goals. But right now we have to adjust because of something. And um, – I just think that this is one of those times. Uh, the vice chair of the tre- treasury, this is Janet Yellen. I want you to hear um, what is what – is, uh, um, well, it isn't Yellen. It is um, the secretary, Janet Yellen, on Tuesday announced that the formation of a 25-member committee and called the Treasury Advisory Committee on eight Racial Equity. I want you to hear a little bit of what she had to say about the policies of the, uh, of, of the Biden administration when it comes to equity. The Biden-Harris administration has made racial equity a centerpiece of our economic agenda. Now, see, this is where you got to watch when you're we're wading into these waters because it gets really dicey. Um, Everybody believes I shouldn't say everybody. Everybody should believe in racial equity. I don't think anybody should be excluded from the American dream. I think everyone should have an opportunity to live the American dream. And uh, it's not easy. It shouldn't be easier for anyone than anyone else. That's what equity is. But when you have the – with what's going on in the world with the economy right now, with what is happening with them now having to accelerate interest rate rate increases because our inflation is so fast and so rapid, biggest in 40 years, that it's crushing the American taxpayer, including the very working-class Americans that these policies are supposed to help. That you've got the Treasury saying that this administration has made equity a centerpiece in its economic agenda. This is the part of all of this that gets me, that bothers me more when politicians do it than anything else. If you have a message, and if you look back at some of the great people that brought a message, um, and whether you agree with the message or not, Ronald Reagan, the great communicator. Ronald Reagan spoke to the American people. We are the world's last best hope. We are the shining city on the hill. He was speaking to Americans. Barack Obama, hope and change. The things that he had to say, he spoke to Americans. When you and then they, you know, they do have their times when they divide people up. But when you have an agenda for the LGBTQ community and equity in in uh, in the economy and when you're talking to African-Americans or Hispanic Americans, there was a great story here. And this is what I what I just go back to what I said about Arizona a few moments ago. Great story here. I think it was Griselda Satino that did it yesterday, talking about the um, the purchasing power and the financial power of Hispanic people, of Latino people in Arizona. And I, I think, you know what, that's that should be the headline about who we are. The idea of SB 1070 and laws and legal immigration, we're going to fight about those things. But if you really want to know who Arizona is or what Arizona is, just look at that story about the billions of dollars that feed our economy. From Latino people. Does that mean everything is perfect in our society? No, it doesn't. But what it means is that we live together, we prosper together, and things are moving in the right direction. So if you've got an agenda and you're a candidate for office and you go and you speak to the LGBTQ community and I've got a plan for you and it's the the black community and Hispanic community and all this other stuff instead of a plan that betters everyone. You are you may feel as if someone else had a head start on you. Well, listen, there's a lot of people that have a head start. 
You have to decide what you're going to do. It's not where you start. It's where you finish. The idea that we're doing these things at a time when inflation is going through through the roof and we are still focused on this, I would say it's almost meaningless. It's almost meaningless in the things they say. And instead of focusing on a good economy, it's we're going to make sure it's an equitable economy and a good economy for everybody. And it's almost like a guaranteed outcome. And I think it's damaging. In a moment, Gatos joins me, and it's the Big Q poll question of the day. Stick around. The Gatos Big Q poll question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gatos. Good morning. You see history made last night in I Major did. League Baseball? It was, it was I, I got to see the replay. I, I was watching the first part of the doubleheader, um, and he did not fare well. But then no. I, I did watch that. I've watched probably, I watched the video probably three or four times. It's fun. So my cue is, if you caught, literally, with your hands, you're at a baseball game, yep. and you caught Aaron Judge's 62nd home run. He's a Yankee. He uh, just broke the record in the American League. Roger Maris in 1961 had 61 home runs. He broke Babe Ruth's record of 60. So Judge hit number 62. Mm -hmm. If you're in the stands, you catch the ball. What do you do with the ball? What would I? uh, Well, what are the options? And I'll tell you what I would do. I'd give the ball back to him. I would too. Which is what I would do because, again, remember, I'm a, I'm an honorary Yankee. I went to Derek Jeter's 30th birthday party, and, and I'm an honorary Yankee. So I do the right what? thing. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I went whoa, in New whoa, York whoa. City. How did you? All right. So it wasn't like in like a private, intimate party. It was like when New York celebrated his birthday. You were no, there. no. It was his party. It was his party. How did you get into that? No, listen. I don't need to go into how yes, I you, snuck yes, into oh, this thing. You absolutely do need to tell us how you got into Derek Jeter's birthday party. It was fantastic. It was at the tunnel. It was in New York, a place called the Tunnel in New York City, and it was just a. It was fantastic. The champagne was flowing. Anyway, let me get back to my okay. question. All right, sorry. Uh, I would uh, give the ball back to him. Uh, that's A. That would be me because I'm an honorary Yankee. Uh, B. Uh, I'd give the ball to a little kid in the stands. You know, everybody flips the ball to a kid. Yeah, not yeah, me. I'm not doing. I'm no, not doing that. Not doing that. No. Uh, work for the work for the ball yourself. Nothing is no, nothing is given to you in life, kid. And then, uh, see, I'd sell the ball for millions and retire. Well, I would. I would mix the two. I would really? make sure that I would make sure I would give it back to Aaron Judge. But I would make. I would. It's got value. Judge has got to pony up, right? The guy's going to get a contract for a half a billion dollars. He's got to pony up, right? It's going to be a two million dollar baseball. That's nothing to Aaron Judge. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to pay two million dollars for that ball. Well, then, okay, but I would give him first option. I would oh, say okay. this is your, right. you know this is your home run ball. So you're would, going to you're going to sell the ball for millions and retire. You're C. No, I'm yes. I, I'm I, yes, you're right. But I'm going to give Aaron Judge the opportunity and say, listen, you hit this home run. If it means that much to you, I want you to have it. Yeah, but come on, something for the effort. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Listen, come on. Two million dollars. You probably got it in your locker. Let's yes. get this thing going. Go to the glove box in your car. <laughs> Here's the other thing. How do you get out of the stadium with that ball? You need well, arm Did you guards. did you see that? Security escorted him. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm putting that ball deep in my drawers and I'm getting out of that stadium as fast as I can. <laughs> Oh, Gatos, you make me laugh, man. Uh, Great question, and I'm looking forward to talking to you tomorrow. All right, see you, man. All right, that's Gatos and the Big Q poll question of the day brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Um, Now I can't get that mental picture out of my head.
When we get back, nine, uh, just after 9 o'clock, more of the border issues. This time, the New York governor and what she has to say about the migrants coming to the state of New York and what she is asking for. It's very telling and intriguing. We'll talk about it.